Hi, Golbet and fam. This is Pejman Pars, your host for the latest pod regarding Iranian football of 2019. With me, I have my two friends and colleagues, Sina Saimian and Arya Alaverdi. What's up, guys? How are you doing? Good, Pejman. It's good to speak to you and Arya as well. Like you said, it's an episode to summarize 2019 and go through all the events in the year. So looking forward to uh, discussing all the, all the topics. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, it's uh, Merry Christmas from me. Hope you have a good New Year, and um, hopefully we have a new coach from the start of 2020. Um, and yeah, let's get started. Great. We will actually talk about uh, the new coach, uh, Mark Rilmos. But before that, uh, in 2019, in the beginning, we had the Asian uh, Cup in uh, United Arab Emirates. We have had some interesting things happening in the Iranian league. And also with the Legionnaires. And at the end, we'll talk about the team that you guys voted for, for the best team melee of the decade, 2010 to 2019. That would be interesting to see. Uh, so let's jump right into it. And we should start at the very beginning, uh, the Asian Cup 2019. A short recap, what happened? Uh, Iran went all the way to the semifinals after they have a quite Easy group, uh, which they won two games and uh, had a one draw. And uh, in the quarterfinals, they beat China, if I'm not mistaken. And in the semifinals, a 3-0 loss against Japan. Guys, when I say Asian Cup, what's the first thing that, that pops up into your head? What, what do you think of? Um, complaining to the referee. <laughs> Let me expand on that a little bit. Um, I'm referring to the... Uh, Final defeat to Japan, okay, and the moment, okay. the moment that changed the game, yeah. when uh, was it five or six of our players that ran to the referee complaining about the foul that yeah. never happened, and of course we ended up conceding the first goal, and then the floodgates opened uh, after that. I understand. And uh, Arya, what what pops up in your in your head? I think it was more individual errors. Um, that didn't give Kairos what he deserved. Um, is is that the first thing you think of? <laughs> yeah, no, it is, yeah, it is. No, it really it's is. Because uh, it is specific, but I think that 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 competition was for was for the players to kind of give back to Kairos in a way. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying he deserved a ton. Obviously, he's a coach; he's not a player, but he deserved a bit more than what what the players gave him. Um, and it was a bit poor the way he reacted in the, in the Japan game, like Sina saying. So, yeah, I, I think it was it was that that is the biggest thing for me. It's, ne- it's a bit negative, but that is the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I would say the first thing that pops to my head is the super disappointing way Iran played against Japan, and I'm not even mad about that goal that um, Sina is talking about because I blame more uh, Beiran Van than the players, uh, to be honest. Uh, but Sure, they have some some issues, uh, and they should be blamed there too. But Beravan uh, miscalculated uh, uh, way to to attack the ball was the reason that Iran let that goal. But in general, the way Iran lost against Japan, it was I I still think about that uh, too often. That and uh, you know when uh, when Mehdi Tolemi missed that 95th minute shot against Portugal, Th- those two are are like. In my mind. But here come Iran. Surely not. Oh my word. Tarimi with the opportunity. 
Carlos Quiroz cannot believe it. That was the chance. Uh, but in, in general, do you think that the, the run that Iran had in the Asian Cup, were, are, are we satisfied with it? Uh, do you think that Iran did its, its best and it simply played against a better team in Japan? Or should we be disappointed about the way we lost or how we lost or the way Kairos played the, his team? What, what, what do you guys think about that? I can start with you, uh, Sina. Yeah, I mean, I think before the tournament, uh, maybe a month or two before the tournament, if he, if he said that we would be in the semi-final of the Asian Cup and that's where we would exit, uh, then I would have probably took that and said that would be a successful campaign considering the last couple of attempts. And especially in this decade, um, but I think considering the performances and the and the games we played in the Asian Cup, and the manner that we lost to Japan, it really it really hurts. And also we we also got to take into account the fact that we lost three 0 to Japan in the semi final, but Japan didn't end up being the uh, Asian champions. So that's that's something else that maybe stings a little more because maybe when you lose to the champion, it, it feels or it, it hurts slightly less. Um, but of course, it was Qatar that ended up winning the tournament, and they were by far, uh, I think, a great all, team. Uh, a, a great, great team. team. Great. Team. A team that Iran um, actually won against two-one before the Asian Cup in a exactly. friendly. So you know, I think that's things so, more. Possibly, I think uh, that's when the when you think about the game against Japan, you think could we have approached it differently? I think we were tactically outdone. Looking back, it's a long time ago, uh, but I remember thinking tactically, Kairos is kind of struggling here. Um, there was a lot of talk before the game about you know Japan not having this isn't one of their best teams. Um, maybe there was an element of of complacency, not necessarily complacency, but underestimating what Japan can do. And the fact that as well, I think a lot of us on the Kairos were expecting and have been expecting once Iran go against a better team or one of the bigger teams in Asia, uh, we automatically give up possession and the other team wants to take possession. Whereas this wasn't the case this time. Japan was happy to sit back, happy to give up possession, happy to see what Iran can do on the ball. And I think that's where we failed a little bit because if that wasn't the case and if we were going up against a team that, you know, let's say uh, the Japan team from 10 years ago when they, they wanted to keep hold of the ball they want to create they want to take the uh, kind of the uh, front foot then it could have had a, a different outcome but in that scenario we ended up being second best and I think in the uh, in the total um, kind of when you when you look at the game as a whole we probably did deserve to lose uh, but again the manner of the defeat itself is still hurt Oh yeah. Um, do you want to add anything to that or anything special you want to say about Asian Cup in general it doesn't need to be the the, the Japan game, Japan game. Yeah, I think I think particularly in the Asian Cup, um, we kind of uh, if you go b- before the Asian Cup, particularly with Kairos, um, one of the things that our team had, uh, especially in the World Cups 2014 and 2018, was our game management skills. Uh, collectively, was was were really good. We were able to manage games to the way you know we we were able to do quite well for the majority of the matches uh, against Argentina. We managed the game quite well. You know, 90 minutes, Messi scores a goal. Nothing you can do about that. Against Spain and Portugal, I thought we played really well collectively. Whereas I think in the Asian Cup, a lot of it came down to um, individuals trying to impact the game. But it doesn't work with Iran. 
in that sense because we don't ha- we don't ha- we have players who could do that like Osmoon against J- in China he was unbelievable like you know just individual performance but when it comes against Japan and South Korea and, and these kind of teams you have to be collectively ready for anything that they bring and then obviously seen us saying that they played very defensively on the on the back foot and we weren't ready for that we were we were trying to we were basically just try- trying to go and score goals against Japan and win the game which didn't work we didn't even score a goal so. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think our, the game management was was a real um, issue for us in, in the Asian Cup. Yeah, and I, I do believe that the hype Iran started with with a 5-0 win against Yemen, we we you know uh, everybody praised Iran because the the favorites they had some problems, uh, they had some issues in their games. Uh, Japan, uh, South Korea, Australia, they didn't have any easy wins, and then Iran came in like blew the roof. Uh, I had the honor to be in uh, United Arab Emirates for the games, you know, for the China game, for the Iran-Qatar game, or sorry, Iran-Japan game, and also for the final. And what stuck to my mind in the Iran-Japan game was that it was so easy to read Iran. It was a long balls to Sardar Osmoon, and hopefully he will get the ball. And J- Japanese players, they read that so easily. So they always had two players marking him, not letting him breathe, do anything. And after a while, they could just counterattack. And I actually asked their uh, uh, captain, uh, Maya Yoshida, uh, what the, if that was a game plan. And we, he said, like, yeah, we know that uh, they want to find Osmond, so we just uh, uh, make sure that he didn't get the ball. And that was so frustrating that Iran was so easily read and we didn't have a plan B. So I have a hard time forgiving K-Rush for that special game. Let's move on. Uh, and also uh, a big congratulations to, to Qatar, the way they played the entire uh, Asian Cup. And, and in the final, they were really amazing and they have great talents. Uh, and, and hopefully we will see them in 2022 yeah, you know, first we were like, we were worried that they will embarrass Asia because they have never qualified for for uh, the World Cup. But the way they played, uh, I don't think that we we should be that worried. Maybe we should be worried about about our next topic, Iran, maybe not even qualifying to the World Cup 2022. And the reason for that is that we have done something unique, losing two straight two games after each other in the qualifiers, which have never happened. Uh, first, a loss against uh, Iraq, and then a, uh, against Bahrain in Manama, which Iran, to be honest, always had problems in, in Manama. And then a loss against Iraq, at a late goal by the Iraqis, sealed the victory. A really happy and joyous moment for the Iraqis, and a tough moment for Iran, all of a sudden, going back to the Persian words, Agar and Amma. What if, and also, you know, depending on other results for qualifying. Um, Sina and Arya, uh, I give this question like, like an open question here. Uh, is Mark Wilmot the current, or should we say, I don't know if he's the current coach at the moment, but the, the coach that was Iran's coach during those games, is he the solo person or thing to blame for Iran's losses, or do we have any other uh, ideas or options. I think um, yes, uh, he is a, a a big majority of the problem. Um, 
because uh, I mean he, the result of the problem was because of the players that he played and the way that he played um, the players the, the setup the system um, the lack of a system if you want to even say that and also um, the lack you know just the imbalance of experienced players and very experienced players who probably shouldn't even be playing like Chojai and Mohebi or or players like him who. Yeah, he did really well against 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 Iraq and Bahrain, but it doesn't necessarily mean he has to start. Um, and I think the imbalance of that with no real tactic, no real system, um, it kind of ruined the team's flow in, in those games. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it is his fault. It is his fault. I can't I can't blame, for example, um, you know, Bayron Van not making a save, you know, on a penalty. You know, I I can't really blame Mohamed Nadiri for not marking the the guy at the far post. He's not a guy who starts for press police. I I can't blame him for for making a mistake in a high pressure match. Um, he can only really blame the coach in that position for putting him in a position where he's not ready for for that. You know, um, I think Sina said in the, in the last podcast, like Mohebi, for example, he's not played in a team that presses to win the ball back. Um. But Will Mox was trying to make him do that, and you can't, you can't force a player to do something he can't do. So yeah, no, it's his fault. Sina, um, you have been praised by Arya as usual because you're the guy to listen to. <laughs> But do, do you want to add anything more? Is it, is it Will Mox the guy to to guillotine here? Will Mox is the man to blame here. But what what we need to um, we need to think about is what caused Wilmots to be in there in the first place, you know? Um or he's absolutely right, you can't you can't blame the players um for being asked to do things that they haven't done previously. Um, you know, it, it's not you don't just go to a player and say, press. You know, that's not how it works. You train on the um on the on the training ground, you you have uh, discussions, um you, you come up with plans, you analyze your position And then on the match day, you manage to actually um, put that into action. Now, what I meant by that when I said we need to, we need to kind of look at how Wilmot ended up in that position is majority of the blame here lies with the people who brought Wilmot in to do that role in the first place. Now we had a we had a podcast and we discussed this. We discussed the idea of Wilmot coming in and. Um, Most of us agreed that this guy is not a good coach. Now, if you're in the federation, um, all you need to do is simply do a bit of research. You know, you, you don't you don't necessarily have to interview the guy to find out about his credentials, about what he's done previously, um, and a look at his resume will be enough. And I think the fact that we were put in a position where we were expecting a manager who's not really done anything of note in his managerial career or coaching career. Uh, to suddenly pick this team up and turn it from champion, uh, from Asian semi-finalists into something even bigger, I think was was a huge ask. And I think those people are now being held responsible, which I think is a little too late after millions of dollars have been kind of wasted uh, on this. But um, but Sina and celebrity and, uh, project, I, I would call it. Oof, <laughs> but Sina Arya, are we not still underestimating Bahrain and Iraq teams that Iran always have a hard time playing against in their home field? 
But uh, did they look? Did they, were they actually that good against us? Like I don't really think they were. I mean, they didn't do that much. Like Iraq was okay. They, they made they created chances. Yes, they scored two goals, but it wasn't as if they played us off the park. Like we were still good. Like in terms of some things, like we did score a goal against Iraq. We did some things okay, but there were like there, it wasn't a collective, um, you know, effort in my opinion. Because of Wilmots and um, yeah, no, I, th- I think okay, you, can, here, you, can, yeah. you can you can you can praise Iraq and Bahrain, uh, but not so much. I think I think yeah, we are underestimating Bahrain in particular. Bahrain won the uh, Gold Cup uh, a couple a few weeks ago, uh, was it a month ago? And they beat Saudi Arabia in the final, and they beat Iraq on penalties. So we are under, uh, underestimating them. They have a good coach. And it was obvious that they had done their homework, whereas we hadn't. It was clear that we hadn't done any analysis on these teams. And we only found out about it, as a matter of fact, after Wilmot left when Hoshimian came out and, and said, you know, we, we didn't actually do any um, video analysis of notes. on, on Exactly. Teams, which is absolutely ridiculous in 2019 to talk about international football. And we're not talking about minnows of, Fiji or uh, but the, the thing here the thing here is uh, C9 and here is an unpopular opinion from me is that I don't know if like maybe Mark Wilmot is you know trolling us or giving us what we deserve you know we, we're used to coaches not getting paid but we're still demanding them to do everything that they're supposed to do like video analysis, like actually being in the country for the um, uh, training camps and stuff like that. As we know that uh, we heard that Vilmos he came four days before the game, which is which is not enough, you know. Uh, so we got maybe what we deserved uh, after all this time with yeah. Kairos that he been you know uh, taking the fight against the federation and being smart, involving the, the fans, involving the media to, to win that fight. But Wilmot says like, no, this is not my job. My, my job is to be a coach. And if you don't let me be a coach, then you get what you deserve. I don't think that Wilmot doesn't know uh, that he's supposed to uh, do video analysis and prepare the games. I think he's he, he knows everything that a coach is supposed to to, to do. But if he's charismatic and good enough to actually uh, get his message through the players, that's another question. But but you you, you can't give you him to... you can't give this guy like you know some bread and water and expect him to to make a Persian buffet of uh, cello kebab and uh, kubiden and all lovely food. That, I think that I think what you're saying is right. No. Like, but the the problem doesn't. It's not like he didn't get paid at all anyway. Like he did get he, he got money. But the problem is that it's not as if um, it's not it's not hard to do that. Like it's not really hard to go and watch Bahrain play a couple of matches. But why should he? Why should no, I know he? Why, That's what I'm but, saying. But the, the thing is, like, uh, yes, you're right. If you want, if you if you talk about how motivated is is it to work, Kairosh was a guy who was motivated to work for the national team. He wanted his players to be um, under less pressure. So you can take all the pressure and give them all the preparation you deserve, but it, it doesn't. You have to have a level of that. As a, you know, if you want to be a national team coach, you have to have that. And I, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't matter. Like it's still wrong 
Well, I, I think I think that that, that the standards shouldn't be what K. Rush got us used to. That he paid from his own pocket. That he made all of these efforts because you know he had this dream to to go to the World Cup and you know supporting these these players and stuff like that. That shouldn't be the standard, the, the requirement. It should be much 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 lower. It should be like all the teams in the Persian Gulf, the Arab teams, look how they're doing with their coaches. Even if they're playing, like they're changing coach like every six months, the coaches, they get all the resources and the facilities and the, and the things that they want and they need. But if their federation doesn't have the patience, patience that's another question. But the, the Vilmos question, no. I think that's, a, uh, that's something that we should talk about more in 2020. So let's give your final words short, Sina, and then we move on. I'm just going to break it down into two things. So you, you look back to, was it February or end of January when Kairosh left? So let's go back to then and, and uh, let's just have a think about the, uh, uh, the situation at that time. It was absolutely toxic. So uh, Federation has had massive issues with Kairosh for different reasons. Uh, they are saying that this guy is getting paid a lot of money for not doing a work that we expect of him. So he goes, what's the Federation and the Sports Ministry's uh, plan? So they're thinking, we're going to get a big guy in to show that we can actually afford and our football is good enough to bring the best names to Iranian football. And, what, and then on top of that, what we're going to do, in order to avoid the issues that we had with Kairosh, we will add these clauses in his contract to ensure that he's limited on what he can do and what he can say against us so that we are in a position of comfort. Now, take that into consideration. This is a dream job for anyone to come in, get paid a lot of money for doing absolutely nothing and for doing absolutely nothing when no one expects him to do anything because the Federation are asking him, right, you're not doing any uh, interviews against us. Your demands will be to a minimum. You'll work with what we've given you and you'll only turn up to matches for match days. You do the job, you go home, you get paid. That's it. Now, why would, like, I think it was you, Pejman, who, who said that. Why would he go out of his way? What's the need? It's in his contract that he shouldn't do anything extra. He's not going to over, he's been asked not to overlook the under-23s, not to meddle in anything else other than the results on the pitch. Now, he's obviously not good enough to take care of results on the pitch anyway, but the fact that the Federation are putting these clothes in his contract and are specifically asking not to do anything extra is even more ridiculous. So they are put in a position automatically where it's set for failure and the manager won't be held responsible because he's done everything they've asked him to do. So, and then we end up where we are now, where we've paid $3 million to a manager who's uh, really been with us for about three or four months. And it could end up being worse because he's, uh, from what I heard, he's, he's complained to FIFA as well, um, I think for breach of contract, which means we could possibly end up paying him even more. Okay, Sinal, thank you for those words. As usual, nothing is easy with Iranian football, the Iranian Football Federation, and being a fan of Team Melli, and that's why we love it. Uh, so we'll be talking about the Asian Cup, the most memorable moments that we have. Um, uh, some impact that Carlos Kalos had on the team. Um, very shortly, do we have uh, a player from the Asian Cup that you think was, you know, stood out in a positive or maybe even negative way? I guess that uh, I know what Arya will be saying, but let us hear it. Um, yeah, no, there, there was actually. Um, on a positive, on a positive note, 
uh, without a doubt, I thought Sadar Osman was fantastic for us. Um, I think he up until the the Japan game where he was, you know, it was two against one every every single minute of the game. Up till then, I think he was fantastic. I think I think he did well to to get us through to the semi-finals. Um, and I, you know, I was impressed with him. You know, I think that that's really where I think his best performances for Team Melee came out. Um, on a negative note, uh, yeah, I would say Majid Hosseini was pretty bad in the Asian Cup. And I think that was a big um, a big shock for him actually, uh, because of the level of of that he played against in the World Cup against Spain and Portugal, and then he came down in the Asian Cup to play against lower level op- opposition and didn't really play as well. But the the thing was the system that we played was much much more different. And in the World Cup, we played a a more of a, a systematic um, approach where this is, we're going to play it like this all through the World Cup, whereas in the Asian Cup, it kind of changed match to match. Um, so, no, it, it was it was tough for him, but hopefully... Yeah, fair, fair, back. fair. Okay. Sina, any influential player? Um, Dejaga, for me. I thought he was spectacular. Back to his best. It was great watching him. Obviously, he lost pace. Uh, down the years but the way he controlled the majority of the game for us it was great to see and I was really happy for him as well because he's had a lot of injury problems uh, but again it was great to see him uh, perform um, the way he did in the Asian Cup yeah great great uh, let's move on to the Iranian Premier League Iranian Pro League I believe it's called Persian Golf Cup uh, uh, league with many names uh, Liga Bartar in Iran as well um the what, what sticks out for me in the iranian league is of course we we should always talk about the big teams persepolis and Estherlal, and maybe we have sepahan and we have Teraktor as well but something that i keep seeing year after year in the iranian league is that uh, there is not a, a single dominant team anymore like up to let's say four or five weeks before the end of the uh, league, you have, you know, up to four, even five teams that can win the, the, the gold medal, become the, the champions. Is it a strength or a weakness in the Iranian league that we have this uh, tough competition? What do you say, uh, Sina? I, I personally think it's, it's always good to have competition. I think the way Persepolis has dominated in the last, few years they have in my eyes been rightly the best team in the league they've had consistency uh, they've had the same manager the backbone of the squad uh, squad has been similar uh, so it just helps whereas of course with Iranian football and clubs in general um, you get a lot of managerial changes you get a lot of transfers all the kind of the uh, um, the changes in squad on a season to the season basis is huge so Percival has managed to keep the same squad lose a few players to Europe but replace them, uh, replace them well. And I think that was the key to the dominance. This season, as you said, hasn't been the case. Um, I think Persuasion with a new manager, of course, Dr. Sozzi is spending big again. Shahra Khodro, which is Paddy there, just rebranded. Uh, they, they were the surprise for majority of, of this season, although they kind of, uh, slowed down in the last few weeks. But I think it's, I think it's really good that we have competition. I think it can help. For um, our performances in Asia as well, 
Uh, of course, Perspolis has been the one that's been doing well in Asia in the last few years, but I think we could do with more than just one team in each season uh, kind of stepping up in Asia. Uh, so uh, hopefully, although the groups have been difficult for this year, but fingers crossed uh, we might see a couple of teams put in a few surprises uh, in Asia as well. Yeah, just to let you guys know, at the moment, after 16 played games, half of the season, we have Persepolis, first place with 34 points. And then we have Shahre Khodro on sixth place with 28 points. That's only six points between them. And that's because it's a small gap between Perspolis number one and Sepahan number two, 31. So Shahre Khodro with 28 points. If they will be, ma- if they manage to win their next game, they will move up from sixth place to second place. And that's how tight the competition is up there. The other teams are Teraktor, uh, who, yeah, had some difficulties and changed the managers. 30 points, number three. Sanat Enafta Abadan, 30 points, number four. Estirlal, uh, fifth place with 29 points. And yeah, as we said, Shahre Khodro, uh, number six, 28 points. Uh, Arya, you are a Estirlal fan. And, you know, I, I don't think you or anybody... No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not an Estelle. What? <laughs> no. Have I been mistaken all my life? I don't, I don't, no, okay. I, I don't, I don't support any Iranian team. Um, main what reason is, you? main okay. reason is because, um, the, like, like, like you're saying, the consistency in the league is ridiculous. <laughs> teams you need are consistency to, to support no, the team. I, but I get, but I, yeah, I do. Like, I, honestly, like, I can't stand um, how uncon- inconsistent the t- the league is in Iran. You have players okay, like. How about how about how about Barishiro? They are consistently poor. If you want consistency, you can always go with them. Sina, Sina. No, it's it's not an issue of um, getting blocked. But, but the real problem is not is not the fact that there's never like a clear winner. I mean, they always say Paris voices. Sorry, Arya, 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 you're, you're disqualified from this. You live in Scotland, <laughs> where uh, Celtic have won the last seasons. So, so I, I'm gonna remove you from this question <laughs> and right, take okay. it to to Sina. Sina, where quickly? <laughs> We've seen that uh, Andrea Stramaconi, Stramaconi, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, he came and became the, uh, the coach, head coach of Esterlal. And uh, he did quite well. Uh, he started off really, really, really roughly and was like questioned. But then he, he managed to change things around and got both the fans and the players with him. And then, as usual, this is a topic we have every time. Uh, financial reasons made him leave Esterlal. And that's still a question mark if that will be official or not, or he will return because there have been some changes in the, in the top of the, uh, of the team, uh, manager team of Esterlal. Really quick, was Stramachoni a good choice for Esterlal coming to Iran or was it not? It is. And I think the results prove that he is. Like you said, they started poorly. Uh, they conceded a few late goals. And by late, I mean 92nd or 93rd. Uh, they didn't win the first five. And then they ended up winning seven out of the last eight. And the, when at the point that he left 
uh, for Italy, they were top of the table. Um, so, uh, again, I'm sure you can understand the frustration of Estelar fans. They actually went out in the streets. Uh, not not majorly, I think I worded that. I think I exaggerated a little bit, but they went in front of the club headquarters and they protested a little bit in regards to the situation. Now, with Stromaccioni, it's a bit different, <laughs> the, the financial issue, than to usual. Uh, so usually we get delayed payments. Um, with this one, it was delayed, but it wasn't necessarily delayed that caused him to leave so kind of surprisingly. It was the way the money was paid into his account. So his one of his accounts in Italy was actually blocked by his his bank because, of course, as as the uh, the sanctions by by the United States and I think by the European Union as well uh, means that he can't directly receive money from Iran. The way that the money was time, was uh, transferred to his account raised suspicion, and his account was blocked straight away, which caused him to really kind of uh, to worry. And uh, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, you can yeah. understand as well. Um, so, in the last few weeks, they've been trying to find ways to to give him the you money. You should just get some get get paid in like bitcoins, maybe I don't know. <laughs> PayPal. I think, yeah, yeah. I think I think you'll get there eventually. The way things are going. Um, so yeah, in the last few weeks, they've just been trying to find a, a solution to this where it doesn't look so dodgy. Let's just say, to put it simply, um, and he he's had multiple interviews with the Sky Italy, with different news outlets, uh, with BBC Persian, with Iran International, and other outlets to say he yeah, really wants even, to return even to Iran. Yeah, he even activated his, his Instagram because uh, before that he didn't have any official social media account, to be honest. People followed his wife instead. Yes. And guys, if you want to have a laugh, you should follow um, Andrea Samakoni's wife's Instagram's, Instagram's comments. The the Iranian community is uh, is something else, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he wants to come back. And like you said, the the uh, management of the club has changed. The sports ministry has been involved. The um, embassy, the Iranian embassy in Rome, has been directly involved to try and fix this as soon as possible. Uh, the fans really want him to return. Um, the man who's in charge of Essel at the moment is actually Wuriaga Furi, who's on a who's on a player manager role. Um, and they are all hoping. And Stromachoni said he's in he's constantly in contact with Gafuri, who's asking him to return, and he wants to return, uh, but he's just waiting for these issues to be resolved. Now, across the road, Paris police are also having the same issue, although Calderon has been, in his interviews, he's been saying, look, I'm not going to leave my team so abruptly uh, for these financial issues. I have had financial problems. None of my uh, staff and uh, myself, we have not been paid so far, and he's been saying this across the last month or so. And as soon as uh, the game uh, ended, I think it was last week, he uh, posted a picture on Instagram saying that he's leaving for Argentina until these issues are resolved. So for the time being, the two big clubs are currently without a manager um, and we'll have to wait and see how these are resolved. Although I think resolving Calderon's issue might be a bit easier than Stramachoni because the way so the, the way they've handled Stramachoni in the first place, having his account blocked is just... Um, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's an absolute hassle to try and fix it and, and of course, convince him to come back as well. Yeah, thank you, Sina. Um, it's interesting to see how it goes. I hope to myself that he will return. I think he was uh, something 
uh, special for the Iranian league, although it's, it's not a super name, but it's it's still interesting to to get these international profiles to Iran, getting some buzz, uh, making Iranian football great again. Okay, let's continue, guys, for our final topic and my favorite, to be honest, the legionnaires in Europe. We have had some after. A couple of really good seasons for Iranians, like uh, Ariza Jahanbakhsh two seasons ago, becoming first Iranian to win uh, the top goal scoring in, in a European country, uh, scoring, I think, 23 goals for Asset Alkmaar in the Eredivisie in the Netherlands. Uh, we had uh, Karim Ansarifar doing great in Olympiakos. Uh, we had Kaveh Rezaei doing great in Shalera. And for having a last season was a bit rough for this place. Let's take, for example, uh, Jahan Bakhsh in Brighton. He was, uh, he didn't score any goals. I don't think he even made an assist. And now we, we, we can, we don't need to talk about why it didn't happen because I think we can all agree that he played in positions that he wasn't used to. And also the Premier League is much, much, much harder to uh, get results in than in the Dutch league. Yeah. And uh, we should also talk about Karim Ansarifar not getting any enough playtime in Nottingham Forest, uh, having some issues there. Uh, Kaveh Rezaei making a, should we say, a mistake, moving to Club Bruges, uh, not being able to do anything there. Now I've returned to Chaudera and being the old Kaveh Rezaei that we know. So very quickly, this season we have a lot of legionnaires out there, and it's really something that we can enjoy. Uh, our country, that the country that we have most players in, is actually in Belgium. We have uh, Omid Ebrahimi and Said Ezatolai in Open. Uh, sorry about the pronunciation. We have Kaverezo uh, in Ali Qolizade in Chalera, and actually we have the third player Younes Delphi in that same club, which is by, right now injured. Um, we have in Turkey, in Trabzonspor, Majid Hosseini doing wonders with that team. They're they're fighting for Champions League spots and actually might even win the league or at least become top three. Uh, we have in Portugal, uh, Amir Abizade back in goal in, in Maritimo. We have uh, Mehdi Tarimi, like he scored, was it four goals, four goals in his first game or something like that? For uh, Riwave doing really great. You have Milad Mohammadi, his brother, Mehdad Mohammadi, in Aves. Uh, uh, club is really struggling in the bottom, but he's doing good and he's actually scoring goals, taking penalties, and uh, getting a lot of playing time. And as I said, Milad Mohammadi as well. He's playing in, in Ghent, in Belgium, uh, a top team that he's getting. He's, he's more like a rotation player, to be honest, than, than getting a full playtime. Uh, and uh, we have some Rodus that have been suspended in Amiens that just uh, returning now in, in France. Uh, and I'm sure I maybe missed uh, one or two players here. But uh, the only two you've missed are uh, Muharami and you've missed uh, Jambash. Yeah, of course. Yeah, And, yeah. and Osmond. Yeah. Uh, of course, sorry, uh, maybe our, our biggest star in the, in the attacking line, Sadar Azmoun doing great in Senate St. Petersburg and really finding his place in the attacking team with great coach and of course great player like him and Zubas. He, he's like a super duo up front there. 
جهان بخش برایتون از ویسید وی دونت نیت تو تاک ابوت اول دیز پلیئرز بات دیر ار کپل اف پلیئرز ام ریلی انٹرستینگ نیت تو تاک ابوت اند لیتس استارت ویت لیتس استارت ویت برایتونز ایرزا جهان بخش گیتینگ هیز فرست استارت اف دی سیزن اند سکورینگ هیز فرست گول فور دی for the club after just three minutes uh, against uh, Bournemouth. Aria. Uh, just, just, just before we do, um, very briefly, tell us about Graham Potter, because you know him more than the rest of us. Um, so obviously, he's John Bash's new manager this season. He's yeah. the one that hasn't played him as much. So tell him a little, about, a little about us and how he's looked at in Sweden, Sweden, because that's where he really made a name for himself. Yeah, Graham Potter is it's a fairy tale. It's a story that's been mentioned a lot of times, and it's it's uh, one of those stories that you know a simple guy with an idea and a vision can make it all the way to the top. He started in this Swedish call, club called Östersund, and back then they were in the second division, which actually means in the fourth tier because you have Allsvenskan, Superettan, Division One, and Division Two. And he was a young, should we say, unexperienced and at least not famous uh, um, coach back then. Uh, to make a long story short, he made sure that the club they advanced really quickly from Division Two to Division One, and from Division One to Superettan. Superettan is like the championship of Iran, uh, and uh, sorry, of Sweden. And what he did, and what's The most, the best thing I should say about the Potter or what he's famous for, is that uh, he can bring out the very best of a player and make that player to 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 reach his potential and make him both individually very good and a uh, and a really good team player. Uh, so when he was in Superetta, the club. Uh, The club itself is a different story, to be honest. They they have uh, some really shaky financial issues and uh, problems, but that that's nothing to do with Graham Potter. Um, he took in these players that uh, he knew and the agents and the club knew were good, but really couldn't uh, be the best version of themselves in their respective clubs that they were before. I would say I wouldn't call them problem players but players that had some issues before one of them of course Samogodus he had played in Syrianska a small club in, in Superettan before did okay uh, Ken Siema now playing for Udinese uh, Satiri, Sotiris Papagenopoulos uh, and now playing for FC Copenhagen a lot of these players they were like once considered maybe talents or stuff like that but couldn't reach their potentials That's what Graham Potter did with them. He managed to inspire these players to be like super humble and super good in what they do. Uh, and that took him all the way to winning the Swedish Cup, uh, doing the Östersund's famous run in the Europa League, where they played really good. They actually beat Arsenal in, in the Emirates, uh, although losing 3-2 on, on aggregates. And after a while, all these good players were sold. And he moved first uh, to, to the championship, I believe, was it? Watford or no um, Swansea Swansea yeah uh, he did an okay season and uh, this year he came to to Brighton uh, so I think he I won't say he's he have peaked but this is the highest he have ever been 
And I don't know if you will do anything more like that. So uh, back to you, Sina. My question is, uh, which of these, uh, yeah, uh, Al-Riza Jahan Bakhsh uh, and Brighton, is it a fairy tale or is it, uh, was the too big step for him? Um, it's, it's difficult to say this um, a few days after he scored his first goal, which was, I think, a relief for him more than anyone, but a relief for the rest of us as well, because we've watched him uh, develop into the player that, that he is and he became in Azad Alkmaar. His personality, is, he's, a, he's a role model for all of the young talents in Iran who want to move to Europe. His attitude, his work ethic, and of course, he's very talented as well. Now, we all want him to succeed. But with Premier League, there's a harsh reality to it as well. And, and I think the way Potter's handled the situation, I, I can understand. He's brought in his own players. He bought Trossard, who I think became the, uh, the record signing uh, over the summer. Uh, he brought in a couple of other players. And they play in a different, like you said, a different system to, to um, Chris Hutton. Now, what Ali Reza can do and what he's done as as Potter said, and as himself said over the weekend as well, um, he's been working hard in training. He's put his head down. He's worked hard. He's earned his chance for that start. And he's proved that actually this can become more of a regular feature. I like Potter in what he's done because over the first period in England, it's really tough. You need to uh, rotate your squad. And I think he prepared Jahan Marsh to come in just at the right time and contribute. Now, of course, the, the transfer window is opening midweek. Um, there will be offers, as he said, as his agents have said. Um, uh, there will, there has been offers last summer, and there will be offers in January as well. Then it becomes a decision for the club to make: Are they going to stick by him and give him more chances until the end of the season, at least, to see how he'll perform, or are they going to say, actually, maybe go out on loan, um, back to Holland possibly, or, or Germany or other countries? to see how you can perform at the highest level. But I think at the moment, he lacks a bit of confidence, which is understandable. Yeah. But the performance against Bournemouth was very good. And I think he's, he's earned himself another chance uh, or another few chances to show what he can do. And fingers crossed, he'll be able to uh, to show his talent and show that he can be a part of the squad on a more regular basis. Yeah, and, and we all agree about the professionalism that he has shown is, is really impressive uh, and that's something that a lot of Iranian players and players in general should should uh, look uh, up to and be inspired by. Uh, Arya, what should be uh, what should uh, Aleza Jahanbakhsh do this transfer window? Should he stay or should he go? Um, I actually think he should go. Uh, I really do. I think that for him it's a um, it's a I think the when he when he left Holland specifically when he left him to go to Brighton. He was having a good season, you know, he was top goal scorer, and I think it was a big high for him. But I think it was a real culture shock, um, going to England's not easy. Um, and I think, I think he has to get that back, that, that superstar feeling that he had in Holland. He has to get that, I mean, he won't get the same level that he was at, but he should get it back to some extent because. Where should he go? He should go back to Holland, in my opinion. Um, I, I really do think that that would be the best place for him at this stage. You know, specifically for his agent, um, Amir Hashemi, who obviously lives in Belgium. He's got a lot of friends there. Um, people that people that really you know love him and respect him a lot. I think it could be good for him. If he goes to Germany, um, 
I think it will be a little bit e- easier than the Premier League, but I still think it will be hard for him to kind of come out of his shell. Um, we've seen in the, in the last couple of seasons, um, or season and a half, that he's not really been um, the kind of creative spark that he was at, at EZ Alkmaar and NEC. I think he needs to show that. Yeah, but then my um, question for ho- you. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Arya. Uh, I don't know if he will progress and become a better player playing in a, uh, in back in Holland again. Uh, how about a loan to a championship club? Is that, uh, you know, yeah. adjusting to the climate and, you know, uh, the, the, the toughness and the roughness that you were talking about? Is that maybe a better step? Mm. No, I think I think I mean the obvious the obvious answer to that would be it's a step back. But actually, I think it would be a step. It would be a harder step to go to the championship, in my opinion. It would be harder for him to go. In. I think he would do. I think he would struggle. Um, I think he would find it harder because in a championship, it's not as technical. Uh, I think he would rather play in a in a league where technical um, prowess is needed. Uh, in the Premier League, you know, with the players like De Bruyne and all these kind of players, you see that. In the Championship, I mean, when you go lower down, you League One, League Two, it kind of wavers away and it goes down to the physicality and grit and the hard work and determination of a player. If you don't have that, and I'm sure he does have it to some extent, but when you don't have it as much, he will struggle more. So he has to go to a, a, a league where the kind of flair can come out um, a bit more and, and the coaches can trust in him to do that. Um, so yeah. Uh, 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 a question here: Is this is this uh, alternative too too much of an offensive type of type of team? If we start with Sardar Azmoun, that's done great. Kaver Ezai, that's done great. Ali Holizade, that's done great. And uh, Mehdi Tarmi, that's done great. Could these four players all start in an Iranian national team? No, not for me. I, w- I wouldn't start all four personally. I don't think that's it's uh, not not against not against good teams. Like let's just say, like if you're if we're playing against um, no any qualifiers, you know, you're playing like so if we're playing Kampos. against Guam, then yes, you can play all four. <laughs> if we're playing against South Korea, for example, in a qualifying match, uh, no. I and I I think that the real issue will come down to the fact that uh, first of all, our defense. Is good, but there's issues in, in that defense. For example, um, poor Ali Ganji. He, he is, he's a good player. I like him as a footballer, but I think he struggles in games where, um, he has to, to play the ball forward. You know, when he played it with Kero, she was great because but he was just able think to. Of the qualifiers, you know, we, we yeah. had Cambodia and Iraq and Bahrain again. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't we just like hammer these teams? <laughs> no, I, I, I really think we should stick to a system. Um, I think that we just, we need to nail a system, especially since Kirosh is gone. We have to nail a system where we think that regardless of opposition, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do do it this way. And I think that um, the team that we have just now uh, is good. It's young and talented, but it needs a bit of a theoretical backing. Sina, help me out so, here. I want to yeah. I want to hammer all these teams. Uh, I don't think so. Why? <laughs> If if you want to win six five, then yeah, that that'd be a a good uh, good lineup to have Osman. Uh, I look, would I'm, love I'm, to win six five. <laughs> I, I'm more of a clean sheet sort of guy uh, over scoring six goals. To be honest, I agree. I'm, I'm not the I'm not the best person to ask about this. And I think by the way, Pishman, when you see an English and a Scot 
kind of agree on a on a same thing when it comes to football. You know, it's about the British football it. being negative, right? I so, did it. <laughs> so, so I think across Europe or even North America or wherever our listeners are, they might agree that scoring six goals and conceding five might be a good thing. Here in here in, in the UK, they don't look at it as a great thing. Uh, clean sheet always. I mean, always look, look at where Kairos t- studied his football. You know, with, Fer- <laughs> yeah. with Alex Ferguson. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think it's an issue. See, this is my thing when it comes to football, uh, even coaching. It's not an issue if you want your team to play attacking football. I don't mind that. I don't mind if you wanted to score 10 goals a game, if that's your mentality. But you have to understand that it's not it's not a basketball game. You're not going to just keep attacking a team. Teams aren't just going to let you do that. Like People think that just because we have good attacking players like Cody Zardin, Osmond and Taremi, that we're going to keep scoring goals. Like They could play really bad one game and never score a goal for like 10 games after. You're not speaking my also, language. Pejman, there's, there's yeah. a miscon- misconception in Iran as well that they think that the more strikers you have on, the, the higher your chances are of, of scoring, whereas it's, it's not the case, or at least modern football isn't the same anymore because it comes down to your midfield. Can they create chances? Can they create opportunities? And then it's only at that point that your striker comes into play. So... I think when you yeah, but listen to this. Listen to this. You have Kove uh, and Osmun at uh, uh, like a four-four-two, let's say something like that. Kove and uh, Osmun in the front, Taremi uh, and Kolezade uh, on the left and the right, and in the middle you have a strong uh, like Omid Ebrahimi and the side Azatolai, and what back four. What we I want can to make do. a quick point. I think you're. I think you're right. I think this is one thing is really. I want to make an interesting point. I want to see if you guys actually can. If you've noticed this, modern day football. How many of the biggest, biggest teams in the world play with actual winners? Like Barcelona, for example, they play with Griezmann and Messi out wide. Okay, um, you know, the biggest teams don't really play with actual winners. Even like Raheem Sterling, for example, uh, Mohamed Salah and Mane. They're very inverted. They're they're not necessarily white. They're not asking them to be white anymore. Um, and that was the biggest thing that the Kairos did for Iran was bring Taremi to play as a left winger. Now, if you play four four two, you're expecting your left midfielder and right midfield to be very wide, very expansive. Like they have to be the guy who opens the game up to get crosses in. Tarnami playing as a left midfielder is not the same thing as Tarnami playing as a left winger in a 4-3-3. It's not the same, because the reason that it changes is because when you've got a, a box-to-box player playing either side of, for example, Omide Ebrahimi, it allows you to to use your fullbacks for, for overlaps. It allows you to bring your your midfielders into play to get them, to uh, make them the ball uh, you know, crosses from a, a, a deep position, from a, a advanced position. When you have two wingers playing in a kind of a four-four-two, you're expecting them to do a lot more in terms of defending and attacking. You know, and it doesn't work for someone like Taremi to do that. Um, Look, you I, know, I, I, I agree with I agree with Aria, um on the on the points you made about um, you know inside forwards or inver- inverted wingers. Um, but also what we look at is you, you, you still technically play with one centre forward. Um, and also another thing is, Pejman, that just because you have good strike options or good attacking options doesn't necessarily mean you always need to have all of them 
at on the pitch at the same time. Of course, of course. In order for you to kind of, for me personally, again, I think beauty of football is everyone can have different opinions and, and still being correct. Uh, with me personally, I'd rather have different options for different games. So rather than playing Osborne, uh, Jahan Bakhsh, uh, Reza Yogolizade all at the same time every game, why not rotate it based on the opposition? You want to, you, you're playing the counter-attacking game? Okay, you can play with Osborne, you can go long. You know, he'll always be there. He'll always put the challenges in. He'll put the shift in defensively. Are you going into a game that you're going to be more possession-based? Play Rezoi. He has good link-up play. He gets involved. He drops deep. Uh, he can bring your wingers, your inside forwards into into play. So I think the, the challenge always was at the Cairo. You bring in a manager who can, who can make the most out of these attacking options. Doesn't necessarily mean... Obviously, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you you know it as well. You're just playing the devil's advocate here. Um, Maybe doesn't necessarily mean uh, doesn't necessarily mean you uh, you would have all of them on the pitch at the same time. But it's about making the most out of it, depending on the situation and analyzing the opposition correctly and, and using your resources. Yeah, um, guys, is there any other? Um, legendary that you want to discuss or uh, if not we can move on so just shortly any, any other one that you want to bring up that's worth mentioning for 2019 no not really I, I think I think everyone's done okay so far I really I mean obviously the, the disappointing part is uh, Jahan Bakshi's kind of bad start to the season and then as I told you he's not really played at all uh, everyone else has been fine, you know. I think you know you look at Majid Hosseini, Sadev Marami in the defensive phase of the, of the play. They've been quite good. Um, you know, we're getting Europa League now, Champions League uh, appearances. Everyone's been okay. I think everyone's done all right. I'd, I'd love to see more in in 2020, um, but for now it's good. You know, you, you have. Uh, uh, Mohamadi in, in Portugal scoring five goals, whatever amount of assists, um, and it's it's good. You know, it's a good start to the season. Just um, a quick point as well yeah. on, on this before we move on. Very briefly, uh, I know we talked about players that are already in Europe, but one player possibly to look at as someone who could move to Europe is Mehdi Ghadi, who plays in. That was actually my next question. Who, who will be in the next uh, legionnaire? So we have so, Mehdi Khaidi. Uh, yes. yeah. Why should exactly. he come to Europe? So it, it's not necessarily why. He's a good player. He's young. He's, he's talented. Um, I think questions are there about his attitude. He had a lot of problems with Schaefer, the, the former SL manager. Under Samachoni, he's just become a different different level. Um, he's, he's probably one of the best players in the, in the Iranian league now. I think he's only 1920. Um there has been rumours of a move to Europe. I didn't take him seriously until Stramaccioni was actually given to uh, given an interview to one of the Europe one of the Italian um, um, media outlets, and he said that you know he was talking about his influence on Gaudi, and he said that influence I've had on him has caused Fulham to approach Estherlal with an offer, and that they are interested in in, in taking Gaudi. So. I'm not sure if the if the Fulham move necessarily will happen, but the fact that he's raised interest uh, in Europe is a good sign. He's a good good player. If you haven't watched him, look him up. Uh, I'm not saying he's going yeah, to be but, the next but best here, thing. Here's, but here's the but, uh, uh, Sina. He's actually 21 years old, so I don't I believe that he's passed like that 
that age or for the rule for becoming a young player that necessarily doesn't need to have any national team caps, you know, for playing for Fulham at least, because getting a work permit in the UK for Iranian players is quite tough. Yes, uh, but it, it, I think the rules have changed recently where it depends on your salary as well. I think the minimum that you have to take will be £8,000 per week, which is, I think, something that he would definitely be taking if he's moving to a, a top-half championship team. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he has to be the best player there to, to earn that. Um, so it, it's possible. I, I'm not saying Fulham will happen, uh, but I think a move to Europe could be on the cards. But again, like you said, it depends on so many different factors. Um, but again, he's one of the names that we could possibly see in Europe um, in 2020. Great. Uh, Arya, do you have any special player you want to mention? No, I think the only guy who I would like to see go in Europe, maybe a bit old now, is uh, Nur Lahi. Um, I think he could have made it a couple of years ago. I, think, I don't know why I didn't really follow his career much, but I think he's good. He's a good player. I just don't know if he's kind of at that age anymore. But he's a, a player that I would think could do okay in the Croatian league or whatever, I think he would do all right. But in terms of high-level team signing him, nah, I don't think so. Um, anyone else? I can't think of anyone else. Great. Then let's move on to Golbezan's team nearly 11 of the decade. Uh, we put out this question or uh, the polls about which players uh, they want you guys voted for it, one that you decide should be the best player of the decade for Iran. So I'm going to read them up now. In goal, Adreza Beiranvan, the guy with the long throws, plays for Persepolis. Back four, on the left, we have Mehdad, uh, Milad Mohammadi. Uh, on the right, we have Ramin Rezaian. In the middle, we have Pur Ali Ganji and Jalal Hosseini. Uh, and what's interesting is that uh, out of these players, uh, three out of four are still active in the in the defense. So I don't know if we're forgetting about what happened in 2010 to 19, or we're just thinking about how good these players actually played uh, these couple of last years. Who knows? Uh, the four midfielders from the left, we have Taremi, right? We have Ashkan Dejare. In the middle, we have Nekunam and Teimurian. Uh, Nekunam and Teimurian, uh, two super interesting players that did, did wonders with the national team. Uh, Nekunam, most capped player ever. Uh, Teimurian, uh, a fan favorite uh, who did very, really good and was part of the 2006 uh, World Cup squad as well, just as Nekunam. And up front, we have Sardar Azmoun and Reza Koshanejad. And Reza Koshanejad came in maybe for his famous goal against South Korea. And he also scored a goal in the World Cup against Bosnia-Herzegovina. Uh, and uh, he was a decent player that uh, maybe got a bit frustrated at being getting playtime in the World Cup 2018. But in general, he uh, he made an impact in Iran. Uh, just shortly, guys, is there... Any of these players that you think shouldn't be in the list at all? In in that case, who and why? We start with Arya. Um, at all? I mean, not really. I mean, uh, the argument for uh, left back was on Twitter was it was everyone was saying 
Hai Safi and Murad Mohammad, he was quite close. The voting was quite close between them two. I think the main reason is obviously Hai Safi's got like 110 caps. Um, but if you look at it from an actual perspective of, of left back, um, I don't think that um, Hai Safi's been better than Murad Mohammad over the, over the last five, six, seven years. Um, obviously, Murad's only been around for a couple of years, but I, I think Murad Mohammadi is probably still not our best left-back. For me, I actually voted for uh, Pouladi to be left-back. Um, and yeah, I, I really think he was, in his in his prime years in the World Cup, I think he was probably the best left-back we had. Um, so yeah, I, I would have put, put Pouladi instead of um, Murad Mohammadi. Yeah, great. Sina, do you have any player you want to talk about? I think two special mentions need to be given. Uh, one to Hart Safi. Um, I think the level of disrespect he's been getting uh, 2019 actually in particular. Because again, he's had a, a couple of poor performances against Bahrain. He was horrible. Uh, he was he wasn't having the best time against Iraq either. But to question him as a player and, and the services given to the national team, I think is it's a bit embarrassing. Um, he's a player that I I really like. I think. He's he's always been available. He's been asked to play in so many different positions. Um, he's not even 30, and he's got 109 caps. And he will break Nikon Arms. Um, Nikon Arms, something like that, possibly, right? Possibly, possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, if, if he's and, not injured and keeps playing. Yes. Yeah. And and I think the second player has to be Master Shujai. Again, he's not the player he used to be. Um, another one who had a terrible time against against Iraq, but we're talking about a guy who's been around since 2006. He was a major part of almost every single squad on the Kairosh. He was a great leader. He was uh, very influential in the team. And whenever he was asked to play, apart from maybe a couple of occasions against Saudi Arabia in 2010, over the 2009 in particular, and of course against Iraq, other than them, he's he's been good. He's, he's given us good service, and again, yeah. we can't disrespect him because he's been asked to play for the national team at the age of what thirty, thirty-six, thirty-five. Um, so I think we need to respect these guys for what they've done uh, for you. Yeah. So maybe we should have like a, a bench with like substitutes, four or five players there as well, so not like honorable mentions or something like that. Guys, it's time for our Twitter questions. So let me go to our. Golbezan account. If you are not following it that yet, please do so. We'll be glad. Uh, it's at Golbezan on Twitter where we are most active. So uh, I'm at the page now. Okay. Uh, I will uh, ask the questions and you guys will help me answer them. Uh, our first is from our dear friend Yavi. Yavi. Yavi SFI is his, his tag. He's asking, now that my favorite Iranian player, Aliza Jambash, is off the mark with a goal, can we see Graham Potter playing him more often? We have touched this subject, but maybe not this special, specific question. Will he get more playing time from Graham Potter, Sina? Um, as I said earlier, I do hope so. Um, I think he was, not, not that he was forced, but he was kind of preparing for the festive period because there's so many games in such a short space of time. Uh, you know, to rotate the squad and give Jalmash a chance. Jalmash took, took his chance. Um, so hopefully, between now and the end of the season, we will see more of Jalmash 
and not just see more of him, but also see similar performances where he gets to impress and even earn more and more chances uh, on the back of them. So again, especially with the FA Cup starting soon as well, there'll be cup games. Um, so this kind of he'll be forced to make more rotation, more okay. opportunities for him to play. Great. Uh, next question is from Tamoro9. It's a it's a tough question, uh, Aryo. Uh, he's asking if you just can lay out the scope of the problem we're facing first. He's saying, I'm having trouble even understanding what you're up against. Two losses, no head coach, no federation chief. What else? What a cluster. <laughs> uh, do you think you can answer that shortly? Or should we just say, welcome to Rena Football? Uh <laughs> No, look, it's, it's, you're right, it's Iranian football, you know. Like, I think the, the problem with not having a, an FA now, uh, head, um, president, sorry, um, is the fact that we can't really get a coach in. Uh, you know, and, and if we can't, if we can't get a coach in, then we can't really play football. So, uh, yeah, it is a cluster something something. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully that we can get it sorted. I, I don't know, I don't, I, I can't, I can't comment on, on the president of the FA, that is that's his choice. If he wants to bring in Wilmots, he can bring in Wilmots. But he, we need to bring in. I, I, on the last, I said on the last podcast, we have to bring someone in who, who what like somebody like Stramaccioni, for example. Um, he probably is frustrated, but I think if he was working for a team that was slightly uh, team elite-ish, I think he would have been a little bit more content with staying. Um, and I think that if we can bring in someone of his kind of caliber, somebody of, of his personality, uh, will be better uh, for sure. Um, it, it has to happen. Bronco Ivankovic coming in um, is not going to help. That, that will lead us to our next question it's, from it's not Just just before we go, just yeah? a quick point on the president. So um, you know, the, as you know, Messi Targets resigned. Uh, he stated you know there's health issues, but there's more than that. Um, I think the health issues are not an excuse, but a kind of it worked out well for him at the end. Uh, there will be inquisitions. He has to go to the parliament and explain what's happened with the Wilmot deal. There's been um, uh, kind of members of parliament who have requested this, and in the next few weeks we will see Metitaj and possibly the sports minister going, sports minister going on to the parliament to explain what happened, why has so much money. Uh, left the country for Wilmot for a few months of work. And because of this, and because Parliament's getting involved, I wouldn't be surprised um, to see an Iranian manager being appointed. Again, because they're so concerned of that much money leaving the country, leaving the economy, they'll be, they'll be kind of looking to appoint an Iranian manager that those funds at least stay in the country rather than going to someone abroad. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they ask why they, all the money left without them, you know, taking a slice for themselves as well. Who knows? Possibly. Okay, next question is from Ari12 at Persian Wall. He's asking, is Herve Renard a possibility for him to go from Saudi Arabia to Iran or could we get Niko Kovac? Um, I can answer that. Uh, Herve Renard was actually one of the choices uh, for Iran, one of the interesting ones, but, uh, you know, uh, just a couple of weeks or something like that after the world meet, world, Mark Wilmot was appointed, uh, Renard got sacked from Morocco, so uh, if Iran had some more, uh, you know, could wait a bit longer, probably Renard would be the choice. 
Uh, Renard is now with Saudi Arabia, and we were talking about this before, maybe not in the pod, but you know, uh, um, like in our chats, discussing if Saudi Arabia would have a bad spell at the Gulf Cup, they will most likely sack uh, Renard, and then maybe it would be a possibility for him to come to Iran. But they managed to turn things around after a rough start, so he will most probably stay in Saudi Arabia. they, they have uh, uh, the qualifiers in Saudi Arabia for World Cup and they will most probably go to the next round. So I can't see Renard uh, stepping down. Niko Kovac, uh, it's just one of the rumors that's just been a rumor, never never anything else. Uh, my dear friend, uh, RE12, we have a hard time keeping a coach like Mark Wilmots, never mind Niko Kovac. You know, we, sh- we should, uh, maybe we get like, Jalali or someone from Iran, like an interim coach, until we find somebody else. Uh, who knows? Uh, let's move on, guys. We really appreciate that you keep uh, asking us questions. We're happy about that. Keep continue to do that for every pod, and we will answer them as well as we can. Um, from F Alef at Ajaba Tree. The question is, who is the best alternative to sub Mehdi Taj? Uh, and uh, a couple of more questions or like uh, inputs, like impact of sanctions on Team Meli versus mismanagement, the contract issues, uh, the drawbacks of Wilmot's contract. We have talked about that some some point. Predictions for the future, what's going to happen in the future, and who's the best choice to coach Team Meli. Uh, let's start just... Uh, do we have any sub for Mahdi Taj? I don't know, to be honest. Do you guys know who can what? replace him? Pasha, yeah. One of the names that... <laughs> yeah, well, he should be the favourite. Um, w- one of the names that, that will probably be mentioned is Mehdi Saket, who is next in line. Um, similar to Taj, he used to work at Sepahan. I think he used to be the chief executive. But a name that's really popular as, as a person in Iran. He's not been, mentioned for the, not been mentioned for the FA, but I think he will end up at some point in the future becoming the FA president is a guy by the name of Saeed Azari. He used to be the uh, chairman of uh, Zobahan. Great work with them. You know, Champions League under Yahya Gold Mohammadi and so on, almost won the league. He's now at Fulot. He was a candidate to become the SLO chairman. Uh, he's very popular he the amongst the management. No, is he the weightlifter that you No, he's a guy about, I think he's about 50 years old. Oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> so he'll, he'll be mentioned in the future. I'm not sure if it'll be his time now, but you might hear more about him uh, in the next few years. Okay, thank you. Let's continue to other questions. The other topics, uh, we have kind of discussed them and maybe we'll do some more about it in the future, about what's going to happen and what we think the best coach uh, option. So on. From Ali uh, at Ali underscore KQLR. Our favorite team melee moment of the decade. Let's start with Arya. Oh, um, good question actually because um, I actually sent a video to Team Melee Talk, our good friend uh, Artist Dekhari, uh, about this. Um, and well, stay tuned to, to to watch that. But just for a, a, if you want a sneak peek, my my favorite moment uh, that I sent to him was actually the the goal that Isatollahi scored against Spain. Um, 
when it went in and it was ruled off it was ruled off yeah Yeah. I think that that was a great moment for me that was a fantastic moment uh, at at like for like 10 seconds and then and then it wasn't to be honest (laughs) I I still don't know what they ruled it off for Uh, I think it was offside it was offside Uh, but I think uh, it might have been a bit of a a sticky one because of the of who it hit off or or whatever it was whatever it was it was ruled it I think it was because it was Spain you know it's it's easier to yeah yeah, yeah. okay (laughs) Yeah, uh, Sino Soemion, our main man. Your favorite moments? Um, I'm I'm stuck between two, but the one I'm, uh, I it will always stay with me will be. Uchan Nejad against South Korea. I think that was the goal that really um, will be the main moment from the Kairosh era. We beat Morocco in the, in the World Cup. Iran to play it, and it's an own goal! Would you believe it? What a finish to this game! And it was, it was, that feeling was fantastic. If you were there, like Bobak, uh, who's not on tonight, but if you speak to him, he'll tell you about being. Uh, in Russia at that moment, he'll tell you how amazing it was. Even for the rest of us, it was amazing. But the goal against South Korea was just something else for me. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a similar kind of moment to, you know, you see Khododadzi's goal against Australia, still on new segments. Um, so I think it will be, it will kind of be seen as that big of a moment uh, okay. in years to come as well. What about you, Pejman? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about it as as I read the question, so I came up with three, if it's okay. I have three favorites. One is when Sweden and Iran played in Friends Arena in Stockholm. Not the game itself, but the atmosphere, like the first 10-15 minutes, uh, it break the decibel record twice. That was how that's how loud uh, the people were, and it wasn't even uh, the uh, the stadium wasn't full. It was like 30. 3,000, something like that, in a stadium that takes around 50,000. And I was like, this is great, but the noise is too loud. I'm, I'm actually getting like a headache. <laughs> so I'm glad that the, the energy maybe went down a little bit. So, and I was in the stadium and that was really, really special. Uh, the second part for me is like a duo in the 2014 World Cup, the Nigeria game and the Argentina game. Uh, the reason it's my favorite team Ali moment is was people uh, considered uh, Iran-Nigeria one of the most boring games in the World Cup. For me, I didn't see that. that. I see it like this is tactical masterwork from Iran playing against this strong Nigerian side. They, they, shut, they shut down the Nigerians. They had a really hard start, but after that, they, they couldn't do anything. And also the way Iran played against Argentina was super impressive, and Iran should have gotten a penalty and stuff like that. Third one, um, it's not a it's not a favorite team Melly moments because it wasn't that game or stuff like that. But it was before the 2018 World Cup. I had a like a, a freelance gig with the Swedish channel that we went to Iran and made like a reportage uh, with uh, uh, about Iranian football. So we went and did some special things, some interviews. Uh, and I had the honor to be 
one of those people that's made it possible for the first female uh, reporter journalist to visit Azadi Stadium in modern era that we know of. I don't know if there's been anyone there before, you know, coming to, to Azadi Stadium and interviewing the, the men there. Maybe it haven't, haven't, it haven't, I don't know. It was a historical moment and I'm proud that I was one of those that made it happen. Uh, Frida Nordstrand was her name and it, the program was called uh, <laughs> I, I forgot it's a, a trip to World Cup, something like that. Frida's VMresa. Uh, Frida's World Cup trip, was it called? So yeah, that was my third uh, favorite moment, but it wasn't a team belly moment, it was like Iranian football moments. Our next question is from Payamesol Chukion at Payamesol. Uh, Arya, do you think Team Eli will hire a full-time replacement before March or wait until the camps before the June matches? Mm, I think they will before March. Um, I think uh, whoever they bring in... Um, yeah, I think it will be an Iranian coach, most likely. If, it, if it's Bronko Ivankovic, like, Jesus Christ, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mad. Like, I'm not going to be happy. Um... But if it's an Iranian coach Scottish who... mad is the best kind of mad. Yeah. Uh, if, it's a, if, it's a, if it's an Iranian coach who really cares about the team and can bring in something different, then sure. You know, I think it could be a full-time option. Uh, if we wait till June, then we've given up, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the the Federation's given up on, on World Cup for qualification. Yeah. Yeah. Our last question goes to Sina Samyan. It's from... Dan at Dan the Mash. Uh, he's asking, can we rely on the same names Kairos did to achieve World Cup qualification, or do we need some youngsters to freshen up the squad and add real hunger to the team? And of course, I can say that we need new players. Uh, that's the first one. But the, his second question I want you to answer. If so, which youngsters have caught your eyes? It's tough because first you've got to identify which plays you actually want to replace. Um, one play we were actually talking about um, just before we started recording with Arya was Hashid Esmaili of, of Esterlan. Um He's not particularly a young player, as such, you know, he's not 20, 21, uh, but he could be a player uh, that could feature in national team, again, depending on how uh, Team Eli wants to play. He's a central midfielder, he can play attacking mid. Um, so I, I think he's been playing at a really good level in Iran for the last few years. He, he could uh, feature in the national team more often. Um, but in terms of young players, or just new players coming in, um, I think the squad is good. The only players that we could possibly replace is obviously Dejaga and Shojai. Um Other than that, all over the pitch, I think um, we are okay. A player actually, going back to audio again, he's been uh, kind of talking about uh, consistently has been Sadaq Muharrami, who I think if he wants to be in the national team on a more regular basis, he has to play at a higher level uh, than he is at the moment. Um, I think he would need to leave the Alamo Zagreb if he's not going to get any game time, leave for another country in Europe. Um, um, but I think he has what it takes to be our regular right back. Maybe not at this moment in time, but by the end of 2020, depending on his next move, he could be the first choice uh, right back. And I think we, we, we do need a new right back, to be honest with you. Rami Rezaian is, is 
Uh, he's been slowing down the last couple of years, and of course, the Qatar doesn't necessarily help either. Okay, guys, that was the final words of the final part of 2019 and the decade itself. It has been a pleasure for us to giving you this pod. It has been a pleasure for me hosting Sina Samyan and Aya Allahverdi, two of the great, great panelists of Gol Bezan. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed, as always, talking to you. And this time, I won't say sorry for it being a bit too long because we're talking about stuff that takes a long time. We're giving you insights. We're giving you the best uh, views, opinions that people can possibly have. So, of course, it will take time. But we are, are, as always, very grateful for you guys listening, giving your feedback, following in us, uh, giving us uh, uh, everything that you, you need to say. Good words, bad words. We're happy that, that you like us and we like you as well. Uh, Audio, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. From Scotland, um, we will be hoping that you have a good New Year. Um, like, likewise to you, Pejman. And Sina Samyan, also a Happy New Year from me in Stockholm to you guys in Manchester and Glasgow. Are you from Glasgow? Glasgow. Glasgow. And yes, of course, guys, you too. And uh, yeah. Pejman, let's hope. 10 years time at the end of the next decade we'll be here talking about the same thing and who knows you might have been replaced by a younger generation maybe your daughters will be taking on the new spot um, given their insights on Iranian football who knows who knows and to all of our listeners uh, by the time you'll be listening to this maybe it's already year 2020 where you are Uh, happy New Year. Let's hope that our year 2020 will be the absolute best that you can possibly imagine. Okay, guys, from us to you, Happy New Year, and see you guys very soon in a new episode of Golbezan Podcast. Cheers. Hi, this is Kat, and you're listening to Golbezan, and I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast. Thank you all for the support. Love you, Golbezan.